It's the Americhips with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. Britain's version of Medicare for All is struggling with long waits for care. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americhicks, dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation. Welcome to the Americhicks. It's important to be having conversations about all kinds of things out there, and uh, so that's what we do every Monday through Friday. Uh, thrilled to have in studio with me my friend, and that is Rick Turnquest. Rick, it's great to have you here. Good morning, Kim. Thanks. It's great to be here. And you are uh, you are in the energy industry by day? Yes. By day, I work in the energy industry, uh, displaying the earth, and uh, by <laughs> night, I'm a blogger and activist, and I work hard to uh, advance the cause of freedom and liberty in the state of Colorado and nationally. And you also are attending Vino and Veritas. You're one of the Vino and Veritas members. That's right. I'm a charter member of the first Vino and Veritas. It's been a great experience so far, and I highly encourage anyone who wants to learn more about our founding documents from a brilliant speaker to uh, to attend. And uh, and today we're going to talk about uh, 1984, which is George Orwell's book. There's, there seems to be some parallels <laughs> yeah, these that, days. There really is. Uh, you know, it's it's amazing to me how how the left in this country has weaponized the English language to to advance their causes. And uh, I feel like in rereading George Orwell's book 1984 recently, I found several parallels between what we're hearing out of the left and Colorado Democrats today and, and what uh, Orwell wrote about in 1984. And so we need to make sure that we, we know what's going on so that we can talk with our friends and our family, uh, our neighbors, um, our colleagues, because we are in a great battle of ideas right now, Rick. And this is true. And, and the fact of the matter is that words mean things, and they mean the things that they're commonly accepted to mean. And uh, when, when a certain political party, uh, you know, abuses language to to connote that words don't mean the things that most people think they mean or that they're accepted to mean, then that's just another way of fighting their battle, and they fight it on every front. And they do. And, and, you know, I think that we have really acquiesced. We're going to talk more about that really in segments three and four. But language is so important, and communication is so important. And, uh, Rick, what a, a new thing that we are doing uh, here in the Americhicks with Kim Munson is we are starting to curate some authors. We're going to have some cool name. I can't figure out what, you know, Zach and I are working on that. But but um, Jane Cheney had written a couple of pieces regarding the national popular vote. And it was just astonishing, the results, the shares on that. I think there were over 400 shares between the two, the two articles. So you can go to my website and find those. So today we are rolling out a very fine piece that you did. And that was... Uh, Let's see, it's Colorado Democrats, 1984, and Newspeak, right? Yes, that's the title. And uh, I wrote that piece specifically in preparation for our uh, radio show this morning. I wanted to uh, to have some, some talking points out there for people to read uh, as, as they were listening to the show or, or afterwards so that they could understand kind of some of the concepts we brought forth and, and hopefully we're going to talk about today. Okay, so that's on Americhicks Facebook. Be sure and like that page as well. And it's also on my website, americhicks.com. And sign up for our emails so that we can keep you apprised of all the upcoming guests and events. So uh, we need to remember, and I I remind you every morning, that uh, socialism is not social. (laughs) Actually, uh, Nazi stood for the National Socialist German Workers Workers Party. Party. 
And typically, everyday people don't do very well under socialism, and it's been romanticized in our education system. And so we need to be walking that back. The kids are home from school this summer, and so we need to be having conversations. So socialism is force. The big question whenever you look at an issue is freedom versus force, force versus freedom. It is never compassionate to take other people's rights, property, or freedom via force, whether with a weapon, policy, or unpredictable and overtaxation. And a frequent guest on the Americhicks, uh, Stephen Kessler, Millennial PhD, has us ask three questions when we're talking with people. First of all, do you have any skin in the game? If you don't have any skin in the game, then probably there's not a conversation to be had. Secondly, are we bringing people up or are we yanking them down? And lastly, you felt good, but did you do good? And we are seeing a socialization in transportation, education, energy, housing, and water. That's where the administrative state is taking control of these things. And and, in doing so, they are doing what they think is best instead of what is best for the everyday people. So um, continue to think about that. Today, uh, always thank you to producer Steve. He's off today, and we have Dave running the boards. Dave, it is great to have you here. And he's putting his ears on. It's great to be here, man. It's early, though. It is an early show. <laughs> I, like, I love it. Yeah, it's great to have you. Thank you for running the boards. And to Zach, Patty, and Keith for the great team. And to you, my listeners, thank you. And uh, each of you, you're valued, you're treasured. And uh, thank you for listening. And certainly let other people know about the Merichicks as well. Uh, speaking of chicks, Lynn Spence, who is, um, is the organizer of our Topics and Topics women's groups. And on that note, if you are interested in our Topics and Topics women's groups, just email me, email me at americhicks.com forward slash Kim. But Lynn is the one that has spearheaded the one out in southwest Jefferson County. And she is so creative. Tomorrow morning, she has decided she's going to set up shop in front of a new coffee shop, Ground Up Coffee Cafe at 5035 South Kipling Parkway. She's going to be there from 9 to 11, and you can drop by and you can sign the petition to get that national popular vote question on the ballot. And they're doing really well, but they need like they need like 125,000, I think, good signatures. So they're trying to get 200,000. So, you, you know, you may be pulling your hair out when you look at what's going on. You say, oh, my gosh, what can I do? Just put your John Hancock on that little petition, and that would be a good thing. And, that's, and that really illustrates the point about people in general need to be more aware of what's going on in, in, their, in their state legislature. You know, I recently, as this bill was being discussed uh, before it was passed, I told my sister about it. She's like, you're kidding. They're taking away our, national, our votes in the presidential elections. And I said, yeah, and that's, you know, you need to be aware of what's going on. And a lot of people just ignore what's hap- what happens under the gold dome, but it actually, you know, real life consequences stem from decisions made in that building. And to that point, Rick, because you mentioned you're a charter member of the Vino and Veritas, the very first one. And these were essays. Uh, what is it, 85 of them? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's 85 essays that uh, Alexander Hamilton, John Jay, and James Madison, they wrote the, this under the name Publius. Uh, and they were making the case for ratification for the U.S. Constitution. And I think the elites of today look back at the, um, the, you know, the everyday people back, the patriots, in, during the Revolutionary War, and they think that they're, oh, they're just oh, farmers and merchants or whatever. The Federalist Papers were essays that everybody was reading in newspapers. And so for us to, to have our head in the sand on what's going on down at the legislature, and two, I want to make another point, though. I think that, that part of the Orwellian 
um, mantra is to make things so complicated that there's so much out there that people find and kind of throw up their hands and they go, I, I can't get it. So that's why we do this show. That's why you blog. That's why you write. That's right. And, and sometimes, you know, you need to really do deep dives into issues to try to understand them more fully mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and read bills. You know, when you, when the legislature has a great website, um, you know, I don't like a lot of the content, but it lists every single bill that's up before, a, a, you know, the legislature during the session. And, and people should actually read those bills to understand what's being discussed and be prepared to go down and testify if they get a chance to, uh, mm-hmm. you know, at a normal hour and Instead of midnight. Yeah. And it is, uh, I used to think that was above my pay grade. But that is something that I started to do. I, and, you know, the, for the Americhicks, we've done voters' guides the last couple of election seasons. And uh, go through those. And then, you know, you and I are both steeped in the, these principles, these ideas of, of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. And so you need to look at these things. And then we need to, as you mentioned, um, go down to the legislature. However, I don't think they listened this year. But we need to be aware of that, and we need to find good candidates that we can uh, vote for and get these these people out that are, are walking it, all over our freedoms. That's exactly right. Um, you know, it's really incumbent upon us to, uh, as conservative and libertarian people, uh, to really evaluate who the best candidates are for, for office and, and support the one who's going to be for limited government and freedom. You know, one of my favorite uh, former legislators was Justin Everett, who was, who was rightly proud of his many no votes over his years in the legislature. And, and you know, because he was saying no to bigger government. Yes, exactly right. He was saying no to uh, much of the radical uh, progressive agenda that's being advanced in Colorado over the last several years. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, we need to look for candidates, and, and people need to step up as well. They need to step up and run for office. The left, the, the and, and this, the left of today, you know, the Democrats of today are not the Democrats of JFK. That's not true. Close. JFK would be laughed out of today's Democratic Party. Right, and so they have have taken over the Democrat Party here in Colorado, and that's why we need to be vigilant, uh, and we need to be vigilant at the local level. Uh, school boards uh, across the spectrum. So we're going to, it's going to, Rick, the show is going to go way too fast, but <laughs> I need to get into, first of all, all our inspiration. And I was thinking about 1984 and I was uh, trying to think of different quotes. So this is from John Paul Jones and his response to, uh, by the enemy to demand his surrender in 1779. And he says, I have not yet begun to fight. You like that one? I like it. Okay. And today's funnies. Dave, are you ready for this one? I took a joke and then I kind of changed it a little bit. I've been waiting all week for this. Are you? Okay, here we go. Soon after a Boulder activist showed up at the nonprofit that he volunteered with, his community coordinator called him over and told him that he had a phone call in the front office. When the Boulder activist returned, he had a mournful expression on his face and his head hung low. His community coordinator noticed and asked if he had received bad news. I did, he replied. I just found out that my mother died earlier this morning. Oh, that's awful, replied the community coordinator. Do you want the rest of the day off? No, replied the Boulder activist. I'll finish the day out. About an hour later, the community coordinator returned to inform them that there was another, another phone call for him. This time, when the Boulder activist returned, he looked twice as glum, and the community coordinator asked him if everything was all right. He said, this is the worst day of my life, moaned the Boulder activist. That was my brother, and his mother died today, too. (laughs) Ha-ha. 
And I was looking for brother jokes because of Big Brother, and that's why I came up with that one, Rick, <laughs> in honor of you. So, Okay, we're going to go through some headlines. I think we'll go ahead and go to break uh, and then do some headlines after that. In segments three and four, we'll be talking about George Orwell's 1984. But before we do that, The Rocks swept the Diamondbacks. Is that not awesome? And they are on the road. They're going to be playing the Dodgers, and then they head to San Francisco. And Hooters Restaurants is my sports headquarters. It's the place to be this summer. You can enjoy Hooters beach-worthy seafood items like amazing fish tacos, delicious snow crab legs, and mouth-watering buffalo shrimp. That stuff is really good, Rick. The girls love them. I got it the last time the girls came over. So Hooters has plenty of ice-cold beer options to help cool you down this summer. Now, if you dine in, they have this great special, nine items for 9 bucks, 11 to 3 p.m. Monday through Friday. And you have great uh, menu items like fish and shrimp tacos, salads, cheeseburger, Philly cheese a, a steak, and, of course, those great boneless wings. So you can dine in for those. You can get uh, food to go, or you can have some of these great menu items delivered to your front door. So for more information, go to HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com. And let them know that you know the AmeriChicks. We're going to go to break. We'll be back. Rick Turnquest, uh, my guest Ameridude, is in studio. We'll be talking about some headlines. Segment two, segments three and four, George Orwell's 1984. We'll be right back. All AmeriChick sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. Don't miss Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Join Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks at Water's Edge Winery in Centennial or Colorado Cork and Keg in Castle Rock. And now introducing Vino and Veritas in Fort Collins at Ginger and Baker. Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks would like to thank Auto FireGuard for sponsoring this fascinating exploration of the U.S. Constitution. And sponsoring the new Vino and Veritas in Fort Collins, Kim Munson looks forward to celebrating U.S. Constitution Week in Grand Lake. Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Sign up today at AmeriChicks.com. It's summertime, summertime, some, some, summertime, 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 I guess it is summertime today, isn't it, Rick Turnquest? Yes, it is. In fact, today is the summer solstice, and our forecasted high tomorrow is 65 degrees. So, How's that global warming working out Yeah, yeah. So no wonder they pivoted to climate change, and you can't see my air quotes, but when your theories don't pan out, just move the bowl coast. And that is very Orwellian, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. That's a great... Okay, Let's uh, we'll jump in here. This is the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. So we're going to go through some headlines. Uh, this very first one, I want to talk about this. As many of you know, transportation. When I was on city council, I I really saw kind of um, you might say Orwellian uh, tendencies to uh, to really control people's movement, uh, their mobility, and the ability for people to move about is inherent in freedom. And so for people to be able to choose how they travel is so important. But the the planners really think that everyday people should be living their lives on uh, trains and buses and bicycles. But, of course, they don't. And they even have special parking spots downtown where they can when they go downtown. But uh, Joshua Scharf has written a very important piece in Complete Colorado. 
And it really takes the veil off of what's going on over RTD. Uh, his title is RTD Data Shows Declining Ridership and Rising Costs for Transit. Now, Rick Turnquest, you know, that's kind of what happens is, is um, you get the administrative state going and the costs go up. In they want to continue to push a product that people are saying with their dollars they don't want to want to use. Yeah, that's, that's right. And, and the fact of the matter is... Um, you know, RTD is a government entity. They take money by government force, and they provide a product that, uh, you know, while a lot of people do use uh, public transportation, a lot more don't. And, you know, there's there's problems with reliability sometimes. There's problems with uh, overcrowded trains or, you know, un, un insufficient, you know, service on the more crowded routes while you know, like I ride the light rail downtown, and and every day I see the R train pull into the station, and it's practically empty. You mm-hmm. know, two or three, six people get on, mm-hmm. and then the next train is, it, you know, it's the E line or the F line, and uh, you know, it's got three cars when it should have four. And uh, you know, sometimes it's crowded, sometimes it's not. But uh, you know, the fact of the matter is, when I have a day where I need to have some flexibility, I drive my car mm-hmm. uh, to work and, instead of taking the train. Well, and no, no, another thing is, is the that fare is significantly subsidized by every. Everybody else, and so I submit to you, if people had to really pay the, that full fare, so I don't know what it is, but typically, because I, I don't write it, but it's what probably anyway, the, your fare typically only covers twenty percent of the operating costs. That doesn't uh, cover any of the construction. So let's take a look at Joshua Sharp's article here, though. He says. Another year, some more ridership numbers and more evidence that the Metro Denver area's public transportation continues to deliver less value for more money. The eight-county regional transportation district, RTD, continues to report declining ridership and increasing operating costs. According to the facts and figures page on RTD's website, total ridership fell for the fourth straight year in 2018 to 97.6 million. Now, I want to to mention when they typically talk about ridership, they are t- only talking about one way. So, if you're talking about somebody taking RT, uh, taking a light rail to work and back, that's really one person. But they they inflate the numbers, I think, uh, because they they count them at rider. But it's really one person that's doing a round trip. So it's really half that. And this is down from 100.9 million total boardings in 2017. It's off 7% from 2014's high, and it is only slightly higher than 2010's ridership of 97.2 million. Additionally, Denver area residents are paying more and more for fewer and fewer rides. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. Not only does RTD have the highest one-way fares in any major city in the country, the system's operating budget has ballooned by 46% since 2014 and 81% since 2010. As a result, the operating cost per ride is up nearly 60% in four years. The decline comes even as the Denver-Aurora-Lakewoods area population has risen dramatically, up an estimated 6% since 2014 and nearly 15% since 2010. So we have a lot more people, but ridership is down. So, um, well, and this, this is what Patty said. So even as more and more people move to the Denver area, fewer and fewer are choosing to commute via public transportation. Now, this is the last thing. Understand that these numbers include the the free 16th Street Mall shuttle, where the vast majority of boardings don't really qualify as transit. Rick Turnquist, what do you think about that? Well, a couple thoughts come to mind right off the bat. First of all, 
government entities have no incentives to control costs. So it's no surprise that these uh, that these budgets have grown so dramatically. And in fact, you know, the big debate right now we have is uh, Tabor and uh, the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, which uh, which limits the growth of government mm-hmm. and and requires them to ask us for tax increases or or new taxes uh, which they are trying to evade by calling things premiums but fees uh, yeah. and fees mm-hmm. but uh, you know our state budget has grown dramatically far you know faster than the population growth just in spite of Tabor so when the so when when people talk about proposition CC or uh, whatever it is that's going to be mm-hmm. on the ballot that you know once that where the government's asking to keep uh, over, over, over. Keep your tax refunds yeah. forever. Uh, forever. Uh, you know, the, the correct vote for that is no, because our government grows by a substantial uh, amount every year in spite of Tabor. Right. And, and uh, there is going to, well, I think there's going to be assault on Tabor, an all out assault on Tabor, because um, the Colorado Supreme Court just ruled within the last week or so that there can be a Tabor question. And to, what you mentioned is so important that people understand <clears throat> that Tabor. Which is Colorado's taxpayer, taxpayers' bill of rights. It is a an amendment in the Constitution. That's right. Where the people of Colorado basically said, "Hey, hey, government, hey, bureaucrats, politicians, and interested parties, if you there's three things: if you want to raise our taxes, if you want to incur debt that we're going to have to pay off, or if you want to keep excess our, our excess tax revenues above a very." Uh, um, I always lose the word, but it's a great, I mean, it's population plus inflation. So, it, you know, it's a, a good growth number. If you want to keep anything above that, you just have to ask us. You know what? Just ask us. It's just good manners. And so there's going to be some questions on the ballot that's going to say, we don't want to have good manners. We don't want to have to ask you. Well, they, and they, you know, the left really hates Tabor because it does. You and know, some on the right, too. Well, yeah, and and the fact of the matter is, you know, some people who call themselves on the right, they want to grow government too for their their own pet projects. But uh, you know, the fact of the matter is, government is li- limited. Government uh, is the appropriate form of government for the the United States. That's what was laid out in our de- Declaration of Independence and our Constitution. And limiting the growth of government is good for everybody. And as long as we can, as long as the economy grows faster than the government does, we're going to be in good shape. But when government grows faster than the economy does. We see things like what's happening in Venezuela today. Bingo. You got it. Uh, let's see. Let's, let's move on to another headline here. This was really interesting, and I'm, I want to talk with you a little bit about this. The Supreme Court says that the Peace Cross can stand. It, uh, was a, it's a 94-year-old Latin cross honoring 49 men who died in World War I, and they ruled that it can remain standing on public land in Maryland. The court said Thursday. The court rules 7-2 that the cross does not violate the Establishment Clause of the Constitution. Justices Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Sonia Sotomayor dissented. Uh, Justice Samuel Alito wrote for the majority. He says, The religion clauses of the Constitution aim to foster a society in which people of all beliefs can live together harmoniously in the presence of the Bladensburg Cross on the land where it has stood for so many years is fully consistent with that aim. Ginsburg, however, wrote in her dissent that the Latin cross symbolizes the foundational tenets of Christianity and argued that by keeping the peace cross on public land, the state places Christianity above other faiths and conveys a message of exclusion to non-Christians. Now, uh, the Establishment Clause. i got to get this here for you. This is in the First Amendment of the Constitution. 
And it says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, of prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, or the right of the people to peaceably assemble, and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Okay. I, I, I love the fact that, that this ruling was made like this. Uh, and uh, the fact that, yes, that we should be able to live harmoniously. Now, Rick, this has been a question, and I actually asked um, uh, Supreme Court Justice Scalia was in town before his death, and I actually asked him this question. And the founders said there should be no establishment of religion, which I submit to you is a belief system. Yes. Okay? Now, some people have said that, that they meant it to be metaphysical. I don't think so. I don't think so so much. And so we have this whole almost religion of LGBTQ in America right now. And we are seeing that particular religion being pushed into public schools. We're seeing government dollars used for that. And I think that that is, uh, you know, is, uh, goes against the Establishment Clause in the U.S. Constitution. What do you think? Well, I would agree that the left has... has elevated certain aspects and certain people to the to the point where it is quasi-religious and you see it with climate change which is you know the the rabid climate change belief despite evidence to the contrary contrary is uh you know certainly has uh, aspects of a religion so does you know i'm all I'm, I'm all in favor of people living their lives in accordance with how they want and I totally agree and you know it's not I, my business right and you know i i have uh, gay family members. I have no problem with with gay people and whatsoever. Too. And the problem I have is when they when they demand that other people celebrate and embrace their lifestyle, and that goes against the establishment clause. The establishment clause says let's all live together in harmony, live and let live. And that's my philosophy. You can do whatever you want in the privacy of your home if you're a consenting adult, but as long as it doesn't infringe on others. But it, but at the same time, don't demand that I embrace Affirm your, that. you know. Whatever and, your choices, and, yes, exactly, and uh, you know, the and, same and thing the, is, the other thing, what has happened, and is that a government like the um, Colorado Civil Rights Commission has said to Jack Phillips, if you don't affirm this, we're going to use the power of government to shut your business down. So we're that's very Orwellian as well. Oh, very much so, and and the fact of the matter is, you know. Master P Cake, Cake Shop is a is a private business. It's his private property. He's using his intellectual property to create those and design those cakes, and he should be able to do business with whoever he wants. And the fact of the matter is that, uh, you know, in a free society, he would be free to choose, you know, free to be able to decline any kind of business he wanted to. And other people who wanted to have their gay wedding cakes exactly. or whatever could the go free market to could take care somebody of it. who would be wanting to provide a gay baker who wants to provide exactly. gay wedding cakes to for those for those people. And and there's nothing wrong with that. That's how free markets and free society works. Free, free markets can can make that work. And speaking of free markets, we have Jason McBride um, on the line with us. Jason McBride, how are you doing? I know you love free markets. I love free markets, yes. I think they're the solution to nearly everything. I do, too. And, uh, hey, Jason, we're going to be talking about 1984. Do you remember where you were in 19... Were you born in 1984, Jason? Um, well, you've seen the color of my hair on my head, <laughs> what's left, and on my face. Uh, yeah, in 1984, I was a sophomore in high school. Okay, well, we're going to be talking about 1984 in segments three and four, but before we do that... Uh, the market. Tell us what's going on. 
Well, I got two things to kind of bring up today. Yeah, the market, uh, exciting day yesterday, the S&P 500. Uh, closed at uh, by 0.05 points at an all-time new high. Uh, you know, a lot of that was fueled by oil prices going up and oil stocks going up, but then a lot of it was also fueled uh, by the market uh, for some reason thinking that we've got some interest rates cuts coming up uh, against what Jerome Powell said. So the market and, and the Treasury uh, the head of the Treasury are having a, a disagreement, or the head of the Federal Reserve, sorry. And, you know, that uh, is a little bit concerning, Kim, because if the market's getting spoiled and it thinks it's got interest rate cuts coming and they don't come, then, you know, we could get some volatility to the downside. But I, I think... Uh, yesterday, a lot of this was driven by oil prices, uh, or at least part of it, because they have a pretty good weighting, especially in the Dow and the S&P. Okay, got it. And you said there was one other thing on your mind this morning. Yes, I think that uh, there are several you know, Republican House members and senators uh, that need to keep their mouth shut. And <laughs> I'll, I'm going to mention Lindsey Graham in particular. We talked about this the other day. Uh, he needs to just shut up. And, uh, you know, there's kind of this, this attitude with some of these Republicans, Kim, and you know what I'm talking about, that, well, President, you know, Donald Trump is the president, but of course I'm much smarter than he is, and he's so lucky that uh, he has me to listen to and go out and say what he should do. Well, yesterday the market was doing just fine until Lindsay started shooting off his big mouth about how we need to take action against Iran and this and that. And as soon as Trump came on and, and kind of calmed everybody down, the market started going back up again. So I'm asking the question, who is it that doesn't have the temperament to be president? Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, I can tell that this um, this really <laughs> hit a nerve with you, Jason. And, it, it did. And, it did. And it was interesting uh, that President Trump came out and said that he thinks that the shooting down of this drone probably was a mistake. And, uh, you know, he could have thrown fuel on the fire, and it looks like he's he's trying to give everybody, you know, calmer heads here. He does not sound like a guy that is uh, so trigger-happy like everybody has tried to portray him as. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that uh, I, <laughs> I get your point big time, Jason. So Yeah, so you know what? I'm perfectly comfortable with Donald J. Trump having his fingers around the nuclear codes because I don't think he's just itching to launch. I don't think he is either. So, Jason, you know, <laughs> before you came on, Rick Turnquist said, I love listening to Jason. And, you know, the thing about it is he doesn't sugarcoat it. You know, he's shooting straight with you, right, Rick? That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Well, so. thank you, Rick. That's very nice of you. <laughs> okay. Hey, yeah, uh, Jason, thanks so much. We will talk to you on Monday. Okay. Have a good show, Okay. Kim. Thank you so much. And we're going to go to break when we come back. Uh, Rick Turnquist is in studio with me, and we're going to talk about George Orwell's 1984 and this great piece that's on my website. Uh, Zach's pushing it out this morning on Facebook, and that is the piece that you just did, and it is uh, the Colorado Democrats, 1984, and Newspeak. We'll be right back. Dan Predovich and his team at Predovich & Company help your business plan ahead financially. The AmeriChicks with Kim Munson highly recommends Predovich & Company as your financial business consultant. Predovich & Company will take care of your tax preparation, bookkeeping, and business advisory services. 
Dan Predovich and his team want to learn the unique needs of your business through real, honest dialogue. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich and Company can help clients anywhere in the United States. Call 303-791-3000 to start preparing now for next year's tax season. Organize your business finances with Predovich and Company. Call 303-791-3000 today. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best. And guys, Kim can help you with made-to-measure shirts that fit great and you'll love to wear. Guys and gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Social media is important to the Americhicks since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at Americhicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the Americhicks Radio Show. Contact us at Americhicks.com or email Kim at Americhicks.com. You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Munson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. Find a full list of advertising partners on Americhicks.com. Welcome back to the Americhicks, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. Producer Dave, I love it. Charlie put together all these summer songs since it's the first day of summer. That's so clever. I love it when that happens. So, Okay, let's get into it. We have uh, Rick Turnquest in studio, my guest, Meridude. Uh, we are talking about this piece. It just went up, and my gosh, it's already starting to, to get all kinds of traction here on Facebook. And that is this piece that you've done for us. It's the Colorado Democrats, 1984, and Newspeak. Uh, and uh, where do you want to start? Uh, maybe Newspeak, how language is just another weapon that's being used in the whole arsenal of progressivism. Right. So kind of the origin of the term Newspeak is uh, it's a term that was coined in the book in the novel 1984, which was written by Englishman George Orwell in, and published in 1949. And basically 1984 is a dystopian vision, vision of the future of the United Kingdom and in the novel, the United Kingdom is part of a larger entity, entity known as Oceania, which consisted of the American continents, the British Isles, the southern half of Africa, and Australia. And the, the story follows this journey of Winston Smith. And I'm not going to go into great detail here because I want to I encourage people to read the book. It's not a very long read. You can get through it in a, in a few hours. And it's quite uh, entertaining and illustrative of... Uh, of you know some of the core concepts behind uh, the mind control that the left wants to employ uh, to advance their agenda, and the story follows the journey of Winston Smith, who's an outer party member, who works in the Ministry of Truth, and basically his job is to uh, sit in the Ministry of Truth all day and and uh, change newspaper articles and and other 
documents to reflect the history that the party wants to have out there. It seems like it's happening now with Facebook and Twitter and YouTube all monitoring uh, hate speech. Yeah, that's right. Any any speech they don't like or that they disagree with, uh, which is mostly conservatives, uh, is labeled as hate speech, even though it's nothing of the sort. And 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 there you know is real active measures to uh, to demonetize and to, and to uh, deplatform uh, conservative speakers on these social media platforms. So it's just a modern version of what Winston did in in mm-hmm. in the novel, and. Uh, he begins to resist the thought control of the English Socialist Party and uh, engages in an affair with a younger woman named Julia. And Winston and Julia end up making contact with an inner party member, like an elite member of the party named O'Brien, uh, whom they believe to be an, a member of the, an imagined resistance. And after being provided with a copy of the book, uh, Manifesto about the principles of English socialism, and this is where the book, get, the novel gets a little bit difficult trudging because you got to read through, you know, this long chapter that's all, you know, basically the principles of English socialism as imagined by George Orwell. Uh, They have a rented room above an antique shop where they can get away from the constant monitoring by the telescreens. So in the, in the book, every member of the party has a two way television in their home by which the thought police can monitor their thoughts and actions. Okay. Now I know this is a do, 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 do question, but you know, like the Alexa and the, you know, all those, I mean, in a way it's almost like Orwellian. Yes, it is. In fact, you know, these, these devices are always listening to us. And even when uh, they're off the, from what I've heard, you know, if if I pick up my iPhone and I and I say, "Hey Siri," and my phone just woke up, um, it's gonna <laughs> it, it's listening to you so that so that it can respond to your uh, to your voice commands. Okay, just a qu- quick comment on this. There are th- I mean, it's neat. All this technology is neat, right? And and in many ways, it makes our lives. I mean, we can con- connect with people, and and but yet, things that are neat can also be nefarious. This is true, and and it's. It's just like with, I hate to say this, but it's just like with firearms, you know, they're tools. It's, it's not the intrinsic object itself that's good or evil. It's what people make, it's how people use it that, that makes it for good or evil. And, and the truth is, you know, the, the government can and does, you know, through cameras and, and other technologies, you know, monitor people and monitor their movements. And, and it's very similar to, uh, you know, to what, Orwell imagined in his book back in the in the 1940s. So these things can be used for good, but they can use be used for bad. That's so exactly con- true. So mm-hmm. continue on. So anyway, um, Julia and, and Winston meet with O'Brien in O'Brien's home, and O'Brien apparently can turn off his telescreen since he's a member of the Inner Party, but it still records. Of course, yeah, but it still records what's being said as as is found. Winston finds out to his regret later in the book, um, and at, after months, you know. And there's a, a really poignant scene where they're, where Winston and Julia are finally uh, arrested by the thought police. And um, after months of torture, brainwash, beatings, and uh, you know, final the final scary torture of Room 101, uh, Winston and Julia are both broken and destroyed. And they're not murdered as as you would expect in um, you know something like this, but they're released as in, back into society and. Uh, they were destroyed as human beings. The last words of the book, speaking of Winston, he loved Big Brother. And Big Brother, of course, is the personification of the party, a figure modeled after Joseph Stalin. 
And this big brother is everywhere. Oh, yeah. In, in the book, yeah. yeah. And so p- coming out of this book was the concept of Newspeak. And what Newspeak was, was it was a language where it, was, it had a limited vocabulary and restricted get grammar. And it was designed so that people would not be able to think in or express ideas that were counter to the tenets of the party. In other words, it was a form of thought control. Mm-hmm. By only, you know, instead of being able to, to freely express your, your thoughts, you were, in Newspeak, you were limited to certain words and certain modifiers. And one of the characters in the book is a guy named Syme who's working on, you know, Adve- you know, developing the language of Newspeak and writing dictionaries for Newspeak. Mm-hmm. And he ends up, uh, you know, because he knows so much about what Newspeak is all about and what it's designed to do, um, you know, he has a conversation with Winston in the book. And then Winston says, I think Syme's going to be an unperson before long. And sure enough, you know, later mm-hmm. in the book, Syme disappears. And, and uh, in a very Stalin-esque move, he, you know, and there's a famous picture of Stalin with somebody who was later disgraced. And the picture was retouched. Uh, using the technology of the 40s or whatever you know era mm-hmm. that was to take that person out of the photo, and so that person became an unperson, mm-hmm. and that's what happened to uh, to Simon in the book. Okay, Rick, we're going to go to break here in just a minute, but let's just back up just a little bit. In the last segment, I had mentioned we were talking about the Brandenburg Cross, this uh, the Supreme Court ruling regarding. Uh, the the fact that this peace cross can remain standing it's been there you know honoring people since World War One people that gave their lives and uh, and uh, so the question was whether or not that this was establishing a certain religion and and I made the case and I think I do want to clarify a bit regarding uh, religion uh, in the establishment clause let's get right to it again it says that Congress shall make no law respe- respecting an establishment of religion and at that point. I pulled in and said that religion, I I believe, is a belief system. Now, I've had people push back and say that that definition had to be metaphysical. I don't think so. I don't think that that's what the the founders meant. So it is a belief system. And then I brought up the example of the LGBTQ agenda, where we're seeing that that religion is being, government dollars are being used to to teach that. We had uh, House Bill 1032, which is now law here in Colorado, which says that you have to teach the uh, sexual experiences of LGBTQ. Well, that seems to me like government is establishing a religion. So let's, let's take that over there. But you also mentioned, and, and I too, I have very good friends, you know, on an individual level. Um, I have family members that are gay, and I care deeply about them as individuals. So I want to make sure that I break those two things apart. But in Newspeak, there's so many people that won't even talk about this right now because you've got the thought police with this whole LGBTQ religion over here that may come after you. Uh, but I think that we need to have some courage to be able to pull those two things apart and say, I love you, I care about you as an individual, but this is not okay to be using government money to push forward this particular religion. Your comment. Well, I, I would agree with that. And, you know, to clarify, I, I have zero problem with anybody's choices of, or how they live their life or, or whatever. It's when you take, it's when you expect the force of government to, to impose your 
values and your views and your thoughts on other people that I take exception. And this is, you know, a classic case of, of um, you know, government embracing a thought system or a religion and, and, and imposing it on others. So the reason for the establishment cause was because England had the Church of England as the official state religion. And we didn't want to have a, an official state religion here in America. And, and, you know, we should all live together harmoniously. And, you know, that there could have been another cemetery where you know, most of the people who were buried there were Jewish and it could have had a Star of David and it should be allowed to stand because that's the symbol of, of mm-hmm. their religion. Or, you know, if it had been a group of Muslim people who were killed, you know, and they should have uh, the symbol of their religion in, in that cemetery. It doesn't, you know, government should be neutral when it comes to these kinds of things. And I think that Justice um, Alito is exactly right in his uh, ruling on that. Okay. Let's go to break. Let's continue. What should, Maybe have some uh, redefinition of words. Uh, you, uh, Newspeak, you want to go with that? Yeah, yeah. Stay with that. Okay. This is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks. I have Rick Turnquist in studio. We are talking about George Orwell's 1984. Be sure and check out my website and Facebook. Uh, we just got this posted, this uh, very, very important um, publication that you've done regarding Colorado Democrats 1984 Newspeak. So we're going to go to break. We'll be right back. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. As a director with the National Association of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect your private property rights. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. Since losing her mother to breast cancer, Karen Levine has helped to organize a local fundraising event called Karen's for the Cure, raising money for breast cancer research. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. So call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with Remax Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516. Come join the 88 Drive-In for all your favorite blockbuster movies. We're open seven days a week. Admission is only $9 per person and children under 12 are free. Friday, June 14th through Thursday, June 20th, features will include Aladdin, Dark Phoenix, and John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum. And remember our popular Monday through Thursday pizza special. Get one 12-inch pizza served fresh and hot from our oven and two tall, cool 16-ounce sodas, all for only 12 bucks. Plus, now you can top it all off with our new sweet, crunchy churros and a steaming cup of hot chocolate for more information, go to our Facebook page or visit our website at 88drivein.net. You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. Sometimes I wonder what I'm going to do. Well, Welcome back to the Americhicks where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. Happy summer today and all those great summer songs. Thrilled to have in studio with me, uh, Rick Turnquest. We're talking about this very important piece that is up on my website as well as on Facebook. Be sure and uh, take a look at it, like it, comment on it. It's Colorado Democrats, 1984 in Newspeak. And uh, somebody said, uh, can you give an example of uh, double think? Right. So okay. double think is one of the key concepts in the book. And uh, what double think is, is it's when a person accepts two mutually contradictory beliefs as correct. And it's kind of related to the concept of cognitive dissonance, except that in the case of cognitive dissonance, the person is experiencing discomfort due to the contradictory ideas, beliefs, or values they hold. With doublethink, there's no, con- there's no awareness of conflict or contradiction. And 
a great example of, of doublethink is the way that the party in the novel ra- named the various ministries that it had as the organs of the government in, uh, in the Oceania. The Ministry of Plenty controlled the economy and the result uh, under a socialist system as we see in real life modern day Venezuela is uh, starvation and permanent economic hardship. The Ministry of Peace uh, was concerned with waging permanent war. The Ministry of Tr- Truth was the propaganda arm of the party, similar to uh, to the mainstream media in, in modern-day America. And it was also responsible for changing historical records, uh, which conformed to party orthodoxy. And finally, the Ministry of Love was the regime's secret police who spied on the subjects of Oceania. I won't call them citizens because they weren't citizens in the sense that we're citizens mm-hmm. in America. Uh, arrested people for thought crimes, imprisoned, tortured, brainwashed, and murdered them. Oh, okay, can I jump in here? Sure. Because of this whole double thing thing, I'm just thinking right now, because you're saying double think is people have contrary uh, um, issues here, but they don't even see that there's there's some... Okay, I have three words that I'm going to mention to you right now that I think is happening right here. Tolerance. Mm-hmm. People that s- preach tolerance, but yet you see they're the ones that are not tolerant. That's right. And they, I don't think they realize it. That, okay. No, they don't. Or inclusion. We are seeing uh, that all... There's, a, you know, a big money being spent by corporations to, you know, light up their, their buildings in the rainbow colors and, and uh, talk about inclusion... And I think they, that's what they think. However, again, I go to the Jack Phillips thing is they are not, they're not saying that they're not including his ideas. That's not okay. And so they, but I think they think they're inclusive and then diversity. I mean, those are three words that are coming up to me. Yeah, exactly. And, and there's more examples, you know, Antifa, the group that goes out and, and, uh, you know, riots and, and protests conservative speakers like Ben Shapiro on, on and college stuff camp, up, yeah. campuses, right. They're, they're terrorists and, you know, they're, Antifa is short for anti-fascist, when in fact they're the real fascists because of their tactics and their goals, which is silencing the free speech of the opposition. Uh-huh. Um, you know, there's, there's some more examples you can throw out there. Gun safety, for example, replaces gun control. And uh, we have free college because, you know, that sounds way better, but it's not free. Nothing's free. Yeah. You know, and, and, and just think about what's, what's the value of something you get for free? Yeah. Um, and, and just a quick note is if somebody decides not to go to college, let's say that they decide to go to trade school, they get into the workforce immediately and start paying taxes. How is it fair that they have to pay for somebody else's free college? Well, it's not fair, of course. And, uh, ah. you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and in fact, the whole concept of fairness, you know, the, the left loves to talk about fairness, but they're, you know, they fairness is is what people on the libertarian side believe, you know, is equality of opportunity. Everybody's equal under the law. There's no special cases. There's no special groups. Everybody is subject to the same law. And, and in their world, you know, you carve out this group for this special treatment and that group for that special treatment. That's why identity politics is so important to the left. And we just talked about this this week. If you give people rights, women's rights, gay rights, whatever, in essence, there's, they're not equal rights then, you know, and instead, you know, how about if we, as you mentioned, equal, equality of opportunity and that people are hired and fired on the content of their character, excellence, those kinds of things instead of that descriptor. So there can't be equal rights if there's special rights. That's right. Go ahead. More. Um, so, you know, you talked about freedom of speech. That, that term only applies to uh, 
speech that leftists approve of. Opposing viewpoints are silenced. And how do they silence opposition? They do it by bullying the opposition, by smearing, ignoring, insulting, uh, deflection. Uh, there are entire groups of people devoted to silencing the opposition. And you see this on Twitter. When, when you, you know, if you put something out there that people don't like, then you get hammered mercilessly uh, by, by the opposition until, until you're you know, basically bullied off the platform. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, I see it every day uh, in the co-politics hashtag where you know, somebody will say something and they get hammered mercilessly by the, by the opposition. There's, there's leftist sock puppets out there who spend all day long just hammering Cory Gardner because they hate him. I can't decide if they hate Cory Gardner worse than Donald Trump, but it's a pretty close, uh, pretty close tie. But you know what? I think that that is really a strategy because, uh, you know, they want to unseat uh, Cory Gardner. So they're out there early. You know, that's what they're doing is trying to discredit that. And that's the same thing that they're doing with, with Donald Trump. That's why it's important to, to, to not be just on one platform, to, to try to search out truth. That's right. And, and you also make another comment about Cory Gardner. I know a lot of my Republican friends, um, have problems, you know, with things they're, you know, votes that Cory Gardner's done over the years. And I don't agree with Cory Gardner on everything. And, and the fact of the matter is I don't agree with my best friends on everything. Sometimes but, I don't agree with myself. That's right. <laughs> and, you know, and, but the fact of the matter is, you know, Cory Gardner's doing a good job as our senator. I believe he deserves to be reelected. And I'll tell you one thing, he's going to be better than anybody who's competing to replace him with a D next to their name. Well, and you know what? I think it's going to be Hickenlooper. And, you know, Hickenlooper is out there touting this great economy that we have here in Colorado. And I would submit to you that one of the reasons that we have had a good economy is because we have had Tabor, the Taxpayer Bill of Rights. And he, before he left office, took a good swipe at that. And so now he's out there trying to portray himself as this brilliant, uh, you know, pro-business economist, when in essence... If you look at his policies, they are socialist, and there's nothing social about socialism. That's right. And the fact of the matter is I agree with you that uh, Tabor, is, Tabor is one factor in, in the success of our economy over the last uh, you know, 30 years since mm-hmm. it was voted on. And, and the, the fact of the matter is that we've seen several initiatives come, through, come over the pike, you know, in the form of uh, proposed amendments over the years to raise our taxes. Mm-hmm. And Coloradans consistently vote these, these amendments down by significant numbers. I think the last one was Amendment 66. It was a $1 billion tax increase to fund the schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was, uh, you know, it was, it was roundly defeated. And in the last election, you know, there was tax increases. That big that income were, tax yeah, increase. They were voted West. down handily. So Coloradans have, have shown consistently by their votes over the last, uh, you know, several elections that they are not in favor of higher taxes. But that doesn't stop the Colorado Democrats from trying to make, pay higher taxes. And I want to also say the Republicans. And There's some Republicans as well. So this is true. We need, and, to hold, we need to hold them accountable. And, and that's, that's quite true. You know, I'm, re, I'm really sorry that Principles of Liberty went on hiatus this year because they, they, they did a great job of, of analyzing bills and, and, and outlining why they supported or opposed them. It's and, so much and, work. And then they graded all the legislators. Yeah. And I wrote a blog post about this a few years ago, you know, called Time for a Change at the State Capitol after I looked at the scorecards that they put together for the legislature as it existed then. And, you know, every Democrat got an F on the mm-hmm, principles mm-hmm, of liberty mm-hmm. and many Republicans did too. Mm-hmm. So 
it was, uh, you know, we need to elect people who are more liberty-minded and who are more freedom-minded. But more than that, we need to make the case on why we should elect those people. And, and that's where we need to really spend our efforts, uh, I think, is on making the case for freedom and liber- limited government and electing candidates who will advance those causes. Well, and as surveys show that, that people still really prefer freedom in versus force. So, hey, Rick, this has gone quickly. We're going to have to have you back. Oh, thank you. Okay. Um, final thought. What would you like to leave with our listeners? Well, I'd like to just ask the listeners to, uh, to read the book, 1984. It's a short read. It's entertaining. Uh, read my blog post on Kim's website and check out my blog, To Advance Freedom, where I talk about how words mean things. I talk about uh, Second Amendment issues and, uh, and overall freedom issues. And thank you, Kim, for having me on today. Well, and, and I, I totally agree. And I thought that what you mentioned regarding the double speak on that is that they use gun safety when, in essence, the ultimate goal is gun control. And uh, there is a reason why the right to bear arms is in, in the uh, Constitution as well, uh, because our founders really, I think they understood the problems that uh, could face us in, in a society of 1984. And people ask, you know, how could, how could the Germans let Hitler take power and do all these horrible things? And the fact of the matter is, Starting with the Weimar Republic, which was the government in place before the Nazis came to power, gun control was a very much a part of life in, in Germany mm-hmm. after World War One. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it's an armed citizenry that prevents things like like Nazi Germany or Socialist Russia or Communist Russia from happening. That's for sure. So we need to fight. And uh, Peter Mullenberg, he was a Lutheran pastor. In Woodstock, Virginia, 1776, he said, There's a time for all things, a time to preach and a time to pray. Those times have passed away. There's a time to fight, and that time has now come. And that is where we are right now. We need to fight. So today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you, and God bless America.